0: Welcome to Entrepreneurship via the Unconventional Path.
1: Hello, I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Hey, Bela, nice to see you. It's been a while. What's new?
0: Well, you know, uh, winter is around the corner here in upstate New York, and the leaves are turning. Uh, We have the relatively warm days, uh, cool nights. Uh, We haven't had any frost yet here, but we're pretty darn close. I think the other day uh, we were at 37 uh, when I woke up in the morning. And uh, you know, I'm getting ready to leave tomorrow uh, to go do the first step in putting the sailboat away for the season. Uh so that's that's what's on my docket for the uh, tomorrow and Saturday.
1: Nice, and we'll probably record a podcast episode of that, won't we, for our other podcast called Sailing the East.
0: Uh yep, yeah, we will. Uh for sure. Uh but you know, thing is things are good. I've had a little bit of a cold uh recently. Uh, in spite of having uh, two COVID shots, a booster shot, and a flu shot, I think I came down with some flu-like of symptoms, uh, but uh, I'm recovering now and uh, feeling better, uh, and uh, I've been meeting some interesting people, uh, w- one of which will be a guest today on the podcast. Uh, what about you, Mike? What's new?
1: All good on this side of the Atlantic, Bela. Uh, a little healthier than you, busy in a good way, and also meeting some interesting people, which is good. Uh, speaking of interesting people, Bela, who is today's guest?
0: Yeah, so Misha Rubin, a uh, really interesting person. You know, he's sort of a mix of a psychologist, a career coach, and a job coach. And, you know, it's, it's one of these topics that I never really thought much about during my career, and reflecting back on it, maybe I should have. Uh, so he really takes this sort of interesting approach in, in helping people sort of discover what their calling is or sort of what they're happiest doing, and then helping them sort of sort through various different parameters to try to to get a position or a job in sort of that sector that works best for them. Uh, You know, he started his career at one of the major accounting firms for 20 years. And uh, like a lot of people, you know, one day he came to the realization was, man, this is not a very fulfilling job. And He decided decided to blaze out on his own, and uh, he started his own little company, and uh, he's doing quite well. So I had a very interesting conversation with him.
1: Interesting, Baylor sounds sounds fascinating. So yeah, I guess let's jump right into your interview with Misha Rubin.
0: Hello, Misha. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Very good. Uh, welcome to, uh, to the show, and thank you very much for agreeing to be a guest on the podcast.
2: It's my pleasure.
0: Yeah. So where are you geographically? I am in Westchester, New York. Oh, okay. So uh, I used you? To, I, uh, I am a little north of you. Uh, I'm about an hour north of Albany. Oh,
2: okay. Well, maybe a few hours north of me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to uh, <laughs> work at Yorktown. Uh for, mm-hmm, for, yeah, it's close by, yeah. Yeah, for about 10 years or so, I worked at the IBM Research Facility there in Yorktown. And uh, so, uh, although I live north, uh, I'm familiar with parts of Westchester County. Yeah, very nice. Oh, awesome. So, uh, let me ask you your first question. So, if if you're at a social event and um, you get introduced to somebody and they ask you, oh, very nice to meet you, Misha. And they ask, "What do you do? How do you answer that question?" I just say, "I'm a
2: career educator." And then they I say, "What? People, yeah what What does that mean? Yeah." You know, I developed my own methodology to guide people to find meaningful and fulfilling work that works for their lives. I also work with leaders to define their next steps if they, you know, want to make their leadership leap. And I work with students. I work with large, pop, you know, different groups of people—people um, people in transition, people that trying to think about what's next, people that figuring out their careers. That's my specialty.
0: Very nice. So as you're as you're explaining that to me, I'm thinking. Uh, so you know, you can go to you can go to college to get a degree in electrical engineering, or you can get a degree in
2: psychology. Uh, how does
0: one become what you are?
2: So are we being recorded, or are you just getting information about me to present or, or introduce no, me? No,
0: we're we're going. We've started. Are yep. we going? Yeah, yeah. Okay, got we're, it. We're okay. we're on.
2: Okay, got it. Yep, we're on. Yeah, awesome. Um, so knowing what to do in life is a function of actually knowing who you are. So that's why when I deal with different groups of people, maybe the answer to who you are the readiness to answer that question is could be different. So when I work with mid-career professionals or leaders, they actually usually have a lot of data points about themselves. But because what what I help them is uncover their unique career criteria. So they actually not just feel it, they have words for it and language for it. Because for humans, whatever doesn't have language is very very abstract and we cannot use it but if there is language right you, we can actually use it as a criteria as we looking at a particular industry or particular problem that organization solves or when we evaluating a particular team or a particular boss or if we hiring somebody or, or we're looking for somebody as a business partner how do we evaluate whether this is the right move whether these are the right people so I help people to uncover and articulate the, the unique career criteria and unique career criteria is actually a set of qualities, characteristics, ways of being that pertain to to a human at this particular time. Right. And if you know what they are, um, um, then it's much easier when I work with students, for instance, that's a little bit different because they might actually not have enough data points to know who they are. So a lot of work we do with with students is actually creating a plan on discovering who they are and different ways in which they could learn about themselves so they could articulate their unique career criteria.
0: Yeah. So let's peel that onion back a little bit more. Uh, So if I'm a mid-career person, uh, what are the types of questions you would ask me to to help you understand uh, where I'm at and what's right for me?
2: Right. So my method consists of, I would say, three pillars. Um, so the first one is a discovery pillar. So we spoke a little bit about them. So in this in this part, I work with people to actually uncover their unique career criteria. So for instance, if you could imagine, when I say you, I'm talking to all your listen, to all the listeners, right? If you can imagine, you work in an organization and solve the type of pro- problem that um, that's aligned with your values and the work that you do is actually built on your strengths and the setup of your job is such that your motivation mechanism works really well and your interaction profile which is how you interact with different groups of people is set up your job is set up for your interpersonal profile to work well so if you imagine all of these things then in this type of environment I call it your thrive zone you should be thriving you know the and what naturally would show up in this environment is enthusiasm uh, commitment to results and growth and peak performance so when people are wondering how come I'm not fulfilled or how come I'm not getting promoted or I'm not growing or I'm not getting my raises. I think all of it comes back to probably the same type of answer that someplace your job or your career or or maybe the way you're performing is not aligned with your unique career criteria. So so in the first pillar of my program, which is discovery, I help people to uncover their unique career criteria. And then we examine different industries, the pr- different problems, these industry solves, we examine different careers, maybe business ideas. Uh, So we built what I call the career leap map, which is a list of ideas of ideas of where and what you could be doing. And in my philosophy, where you work is way more important than what you do. Um, So that list, we try to make it comprehensive. It's like a beautiful, fun, brainstorming exercise when one idea could lead you to the next idea. And even if some of your ideas might not be may not occur as relevant or pragmatic today, maybe in two years they will be, right? And that from there, from the career leap map, then that's where we narrow down. And then usually people come, you leave one or two ideas. Sometimes they clear about their one leap. Sometimes they could have a short-term leap and a longer-term leap. Sometimes they have a business idea, then maybe they may, may, may not ready to jump in fully. So there is a combination of things, but this is how we work on Figuring out direction. Um, so the first pillar is discovery: knowing who you are and know where you're heading. Yeah,
0: very nice. Very that makes a lot of sense to me. So, what would some of the parameters be in that discovery process that we're looking for?
2: So, what what people what 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 is that discovery?
0: Yeah. So, so Tell is me. it you know that I'm an introvert or I'm, a, or I'm an extrovert or I I like to work on things on solo projects or I, you know, like to work on things that are involve hundreds of people. Do I like to lead? Right. Do I like to follow? I mean, those are just some things that came to my mind. So I'm just trying to unravel that a little bit to see what some of those yeah. parameters. So, so, so
2: maybe the, 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 yeah. So one of the key things is your, you know, career values. So that's like a fundamental, your career values usually subset of your life values. And um, so, I'll give you an example. So my career values are making a difference, clarity and manifesting and the way that you know, works. So I right now do work that's fully aligned with my values. So making a difference. So when I lead my programs, even if interact with people that considering my programs, even when I'm on a podcast or I'm a speaker someplace, my intention is always to make a difference in whatever way I can you know usually when I'm in a podcast like this my intention that people get to their moment of choice and they say okay I'm done with a career mediocrity I'm done with a status quo I want to explore what's next so making difference my values is and that's what I live right the second value I said is my is clarity so it doesn't mean that I'm always clear about everything but I strive for clarity and I strive to provide clarity for others. So a lot of people that come to me, they come, you know, with a confusion. They come, we're not sure what it is. We're not sure what we should do. We're not sure where to look. We don't know how, right? So my job is to bring them, to to take them on a path of clarity, right? So where they suddenly get the answers and see the paths. And so that's how I realize my value, right? And then manifesting. So I'm manifesting the career leap methodology in my business, right? but my ultimate manifestation is when people come up with their career leap ideas when they actually pursue them where they get get what they want so this is an exam of how career values which in my in my mind is the most important thing to understand about how they would how they could play out so now in that type of an environment i we could talk about me thriving you know we could talk about me waking up in the morning and knowing why I'm waking up in the morning, you know, why I'm doing this podcast, right, that I'm not being paid for, why I am having conversations with people, why. So that it's all makes sense, right? Um, so, yeah, so that's why I say where your work should be aligned with your values and where your work is more important than what you do. But some other criteria are related to your strengths, so it's – it. I look at strengths as something that you produce results with, you know, so understanding that we all motivated in a different way. So motivation mechanism is, you know, some people are, you know, like a real estate agent is a great example of somebody who is usually, you know, would 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 thrive if they're motivated by outcomes, right? So, or like, or a researcher or somebody who investigates something when, you know, when somebody is researching, sometimes they don't know exactly what, and when they will find so if you take somebody who is very results oriented and put them into a research type of role that you know that will make them suffer quite a bit right so that's a different way with being motivated so so understanding how you motivate it then becomes very important not only about the job you do, but also setup of your job, maybe how you're compensated. Would you know? There, there's a bunch of things that would play in that, and then your interpersonal profile that would relate maybe a little bit more whether you like to work by yourself or you want to work. So that's related a little bit of to what it is, who you are, and what it is you aspire to be. So you know, I, I I do ask people a number of questions, and they can see suddenly what is the type of environment that's 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 right for them. So this would be an example of these criteria and how. Um, yeah, very nice, very nice. That that's very
0: that's clear, and I understand that. So let let's say uh, I I was one of your 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 clients, and uh, we had this conversation, and after our conversation, we come to the conclusion that I'm in the wrong type of work.
2: Um, it's by, by the way, it's not going to be we. I I don't come to conclusions, I don't. <laughs> I am not clairvoyant, but I will create an environment where you'll see something. And probably if you already came to me, you probably already had a sense that you were not in the right line of work, that probably you wouldn't be that shocked (laughs) finding that out, because that's probably why you took my program and became my student in the first place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you guide me in that self-discovery process. Yes. Is that a better way of saying it? Yeah. Yeah. So... So we come to, I come to this conclusion that I'm in the wrong type of job.
2: Then what? Well, so so probably you came to that conclusion already before you started working with me. Yeah, yeah. So that probably that realization usually comes. People come to me because probably they came to that yeah. realization. So you're helping me confirm it. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm, I again. So you will have a criteria. Once you have a criteria, you will know exactly. By the way. That's one of the beauties that was actually, I realized when I, when I identify my unique career criteria, so be, before becoming career educator, I was a partner of one of the big four management consulting firms, right? So I managed a lot of careers and I had a very intense and successful career, but I always was an in inquiry, how come it's not fulfilling for me, right? So that kind of let me down the path. Now, once you have the criteria, first of all, you will not be like, well, I don't like it. I don't know why. First of all, you should get very clear what's not working. But then, as I described in discovery, um, a part of my program, we will do discovery. We will look for industries and problems and careers and business ideas, and we'll do an exploration. So you can come up with a long list of things that would align.
0: let's see you just cut out there or maybe two choices yep so uh you just cut out there so we missed the last 30 seconds so could, could you repeat that please
2: yes so once you have your unique career criteria then you can use it to examine different industries different problems that industry solve different careers different business ideas different you know even if you work in an organization that you actually really like you can examine different opportunities within that organization so we come up with a i I usually like to have it an exhaustive list of ideas of where and what you could be doing that's aligned with your unique career criteria
0: yeah yeah very nice that makes sense yeah
2: and then from there you can narrow down your choices based your circumstances or your aspirations, your desires. And then from there, we narrow down and then you can choose one or two things.
0: So if I called
2: you up, uh, how long does this, the whole process typically take?
0: Or is it, is it days, months? Uh, Help me understand that a little bit.
2: Yeah. So my group program lasts for about three months, right? So first we work on discovery, right? So half of the program is discovery and another half of the program is were about pursuit. So now that you know what it is you want to do, you know your career lead. So the question is how do you go after what you want? And this is where I teach an unorthodox ways of looking for jobs and, you know, f- discovering your a- aspirational career and the job.
0: Yeah, so let's go down that. Can you share some of those uh, unorthodox ways of looking for a, a job?
2: Yeah, sure. So I think our traditional way of looking for jobs job that people, well, first of all, people update their resumes, right? With their skills and experience, and then they look for jobs on the websites or, you know, where the jobs are posted. And very often I call it a skills and experience trap because this is probably how you found your current job, the one that you don't like. And you also know a lot of successful people that have great skills and experiences and hate their jobs. So just that way is not, is it, you can definitely get a job that way, but maybe sure. not the one that you're looking for. Yeah. The second common way people um, uh, do career moves is, I call it an opportunity trap. When somebody comes to you and says, hey, I have this great opportunity you'll make more money or more you'll have more responsibilities or you will learn more new things there's something more of something that's good and if you have made a bunch of those leaps you might end up in the place where you are like I've never wanted to be here so if you don't curate your opportunities you might take the paths that you don't want to take right and end up in a places that, okay so this is where unique career comes into place because that's suddenly you have a new ways so, but if you now clear about your leap which is what is the problem that you want to solve and you clear about your unique career criteria then my my advice is go and look for organization that solve that problem go research them make sure that they align with your values right so that's the step one and then the question is how do you communicate with them in a compelling way that they actually interested in in having a conversation with you so this is where I teach my students to communicate. I, I call it three principles of impactful communication. So, and I teach, and that, and that should be applied to everything from your resume, cover letters, thank you notes, whatever it is communication that you do. And what I teach my students, instead of writing cover letters, I, I, I teach them to write magic letters. And the reason that I call them magic is because they are designed to produce a non-linear outcome. Um, and, you know, like a student of mine, so I have this, uh, this student, uh, Rebecca, she she was a nurse, nurse for 30 years. So she came to me and she said, Misha, I don't want to be a nurse. I'm very clear. I have no idea what I should be doing, right? And then, you know, we, we did her unique career criteria. We did the whole inquiry. And she came up with an idea that she wanted to be a holistic health coach. Um, She was very clear about that. Just really, you know, my process literally takes you on a journey, and you can get to that clarity. And then she said, but I want to go to grad school. And so we were in in June. Uh, The deadline was in April, but she wrote a magic letter. And she got admitted to her grad school, you know. And then I have people writing to the CEOs of organizations, to board members, I have people finding mentors. You know, if, if you're making a really big career change, sometimes you want to talk to people in the industry. So it's very important to find a mentor. So you write a magic letter to find a mentor. So that's a communication that's authentic, right? So these are the three principles of Impact that it's authentic. So it's true to who you are, what it is, the problem that you want to solve, why So it's very authentic. It's relevant so you're speaking directly into the listening of that organization or that person so you know who they are what you know what is the strategy of that organization who is that person what motivates them you know and then it's transparent that you transparent about your intentions about your maybe gaps in experiences maybe some other things so that's the communication part right so first you identify an organization then you communicate and the third piece is the interview so the traditional form of the interview is when, you, you know, you're going on inter- an interview, they are interviewing you and you pretending to be much better than you are. That's kind <laughs> of the paradigm right. of current interviews. You're as good as which you'll kind ever be. Right. Both parties miss out. Exactly. You're, this is where you kind of miss out on, uh, both parties miss out on a lot of great information. So if you apply the same three principles authentic uh relevant and transparent to interviews then they should get enough information to get to the conclusion of whether you're the right candidate for them but you then can free up that energy instead of performing, that takes a lot of energy, you can actually really be ask, interviewing them and asking them questions to understand whether they are the right organization for you, whether this is the right team for you, whether, whether this is the right boss for you. So it's like a um, it kind of really shift of paradigm. And I, and I teach my students how to do that. Yeah. And then the last piece about negotiation. So how So how to negotiate. Uh, as you move forward. So that's the pursuit. So discovering organizations, it's about compelling communication, it's about interviewing and negotiation. So this is where my students have all the tools to go after what it is they want. Yeah, understand. Very nice. So
0: how has COVID changed all of these types of things?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for this question. I think we live at a time of unprecedented opportunities on many levels. And I, and I don't think people fully realize that. And let me explain to you why. First of all, COVID and the quarantine pretty much disappeared geographic boundaries. So remote work is acceptable as ever before. You can live in a small town and work on Wall Street for all that matters or in Silicon Valley or... Whatever it is, suddenly the opportunities are much larger. The second thing, that pandemic really kicked out society's (laughs) butt. And there, there is a big transformation that's happening in the society and the business. So there is many more. The industries are transforming. The new industries are showing up. There is a lot of new business. So that wave of new things is great for people that look for opportunities for career change. So that's number two. The three is the barriers to start your own business, a minimal. So when I came up with a career leap idea, right, I created a website, a web page in an hour, I posted on Facebook and LinkedIn, and I got my first three students, right? I have no idea what it took to start a business 30 years ago, but Right now, the barriers with social media, with, with communication are, are really minimal, which I think is just extraordinary. And the fourth uh, argument is unbelievable access to learning. You can sit on a couch, you know, with your cappuccino and get an online MBA or take a certificate program from Ivy League College or just take a course on Coursera or whatever it is you want to do. All this learning is available. So if I look at these four things, no generation had it like that. Nobody. So we really don't have any right to complain about what's possible because what's possible right now is a thousand times more than what possible even 10 years ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree. I agree hundred percent with what you just said. I think we are in unprecedented times. So, uh, How does one sort of, so I think a lot of people think about starting their own business, being an entrepreneur, like you said, write a website, you know, uh, post on Facebook, hang up your shingle and, and sort of, you know, uh, have this dream of being their own boss and being their own entrepreneur. How does one know if that's the right choice for, for, for them?
2: awesome awesome question yeah so one that's one of the topics we examine is entrepreneur and there, there is a bunch of things that goes into being entrepreneurial one thing we talked a little bit about motivation different motivation mechanism so entrepreneurs should have actually quite a few of them <laughs> at the same time because you have to be motivated by outcomes otherwise there is nothing is going to happen you got to be motivated by process because the journey of inter- entrepreneurial ship, especially when you're starting is never, there, there is, you always need to try new things and be kind of a researcher and investigator in that business, right? And then you have to be motivated. If, if your business has anything to do with people, you have to be motivated by interactions with other humans. You gotta be, um, you, you gotta be able to create your own self structures, which is kind of a unique quality. Um, And resilience, I think I usually use Churchill's quote, uh, quote that success is going from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm, right? Now... And as people examine themselves, like, oh my God, I might not have this, I might not have that. Well, some of these things are developable. (laughs) So you can, if you are not the person that knows how to set up their structures, listen, it's it's something that you can learn. Most people can learn if they want to. But I also say, if you see that missing missing bits, right? Uh, Maybe starting a business with a partner is the right idea. So you want to have a partner that, will complement some of the things that maybe you naturally don't have. Um, Now, I never said it's easy to run a business. So I want to be clear. I said it's easy to start. Um, But it is a lot of fun. And and for some people, it's really truly their dream to to try it out. As far as I'm concerned, all your dreams should be followed, at least for some time. So there is no regret at the end of the journey that you haven't tried something. That's at least my principle. But on the other hand, you know i I, i'll tell you from my personal experience that it is pain in the neck to run your own business because you have to do a lot of other things you have to be your own boss you have to motivate yourself so i've been i've been i've been a a designer and a writer and and a motivator and a critique and internal audit and a technologist and a speaker and a teacher so i had to do all these things but i like to do a lot of different things so it's kind of aligned with who i am so
0: yeah. Yeah. So you spent the early part of your career, first 20 years or so working, I think it was for Ernst & Young, I, I read in your background. Uh, what was the, was there a, a particular event uh, that happened or did you, you know, in the shower one day saying, I'm going to leave this nice, comfortable job and start my own business? Uh, take me through that process.
2: You know, I was sitting in a meeting. It was pre-COVID, so it was like a real meeting room with people there. And we were creating a new service offering for our clients that, for the most part, are large banks. And as everybody was talking and I was participating in this conversation, there was what I call it a moment of choice for me. And I had this quiet voice telling me with a resolution that, Misha, this is not aligned with who you are anymore. And... It wasn't like completely news to me. It wasn't like like oh really? You know, you know. So I kind of been in this inquiry for a long time, but it was, it was really like felt like this is the time to make a choice, or because I knew that while I you know I was more successful than I could ever imagine as an immigrant coming to the United States. I had great responsibility. This job was like a trophy. It was great to talk about to others i knew that i'm kind of paying the price in my soul <laughs> uh, yeah. currency that there was some price was paid in the soul currency and it kind of got to the point that it felt like if i continue doing that it, it just i it just harm will be irreversible to me you know that's like i just it just it, it just really was like the choice and um And it it was terrifying because I have three small kids. I'm a breadwinner in the family. I didn't have a clue. I had some ideas, but not like super clear about what I wanted to do. But I knew that was my journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was very, very, very well said. And uh, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And um, what was the first step that you took then once you had that moment of clarity? What was the first step that you took to move in that direction?
2: Well, I have this thing that's opposite from procrastination. You know, so, some people, every every gift or a slash curse we have, you know, works in a particular way. You know, my thing is that if I have an idea, then I just run after it like, with all my might. And sometimes, so my pitfall is that I can run after too many ideas and i'm like oh my god the next idea and i can sure. lose myself and lose my bandwidth in doing that but i you know i had and I, I knew that i want to be in edu like in educational space i was very interested in personal development personally so i knew that i want to do something in that space so i started like several brands related to education that's how it all started and i and I didn't think I had anything to teach myself, I but I worked with other teachers. And then, you know, and that was so, which was actually very educational, learned a lot. And then one morning, I remember it was July. I suddenly knew exactly why I wasn't happy at my job, why I wasn't fulfilled. And that was the beginning of the career leap method. And then, since then, I've been teaching, I've been speaking, I've been uh, podcasting, I've been doing all these things. So it it was fairly unpredictable. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, Misha, this has been a great conversation. Uh, we're uh, thirty plus minutes into this. Uh, so let's. I want to wrap this up. What's the What's the best way for people to get in contact
2: with you? So, if you want to learn about me. Uh, My website is MishaRubin.com and some of you might be like, oh my God, I'm just ready for my career leap. I can't wait. Then you go to thecareerleap.com and you can um, explore and register into my next uh, program. Great, great.
0: And uh, so uh, that was very good. I will make sure that information is in the show notes for the podcast. And uh, I thank you very much for being a guest on the show. Uh, it's been a wonderful conversation. and I've enjoyed it immensely.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Bela, correct. Very interesting conversation with Misha. I liked his statement that he made early in the interview. Where you work is more important than what you do. I really like that quote. What's your take on that?
0: Yeah, you know, it, it really resonated with me because I, I've always thought that where you work, meaning the people you work with, and particularly your your direct supervisor or your boss and your coworkers, have more to do with sort of how happy you are and how interesting you are in doing your job and how fulfilled you feel than the corporation you work for uh, or the type of work you do. Uh, you know, I've I, when I was in school. You know, I was a mason's helper early in my career and I worked for a really good mason, and he was such the nicest guy. I had a great time. I looked forward to going to work uh, and and my job was hard. I was shoveling sand. I was carrying blocks. I was mixing cement, uh, but I enjoyed doing it because he was such a nice person and he really made me feel valuable and sort of coached me along and helping me learn that trade and that skill. And, you know, there's other times where I've worked where I've had managers or supervisors that were sort of less to my liking, and I, I didn't, and even though I thought the job would be great because technologically or, or inquisitively, I, it was really good, but man, I wasn't that happy. So there really is some, it resonated with me that this notion of, of uh, uh, where you work or who you work with is, is more important than what you actually do.
1: Yeah, I, I like it. I think a a, um, a job that doesn't isn't your dream job, but in an awesome company uh, or an awesome organization is is great because I think as you mentioned, you know, you move around within the organization, you grow into that network, um, you find coworkers that make you better. It's it's really a neat a neat philosophy. Um, the other thing he he talked about, which was kind of interesting, is kind of, he said, it's really important to know who you are as an individual, right? And that's kind of a tough question for me. It's like, I certainly have core values that I feel really strongly, but um, in terms of who I am, I play really different roles for different people uh, in different parts of my work life and my, my personal life, but certainly at work, I... I do different things for different people at different times. And these things have changed. They change month to month. They change semester to semester. They change year to year. And they certainly changed over time. And, you know, I love my career. but It's been really weird and nonlinear, I think. And, um, you know, I hope there's a, I have a few more twists and turns ahead and adventures. But, um, you know, that's a hard question for me when I think about who I am in, in terms of my career. How do you answer that question?
0: Yeah, you know, it for me, there's one sort of underlying theme that, That has always been true. And it's fundamentally that I have a short attention span and I get bored easily, meaning I like to do new things. I like to try new things. I have an inquisitive mind. So I like, when I do something for the first time, I enjoy it a lot. The second time, I'm trying to figure out how to do it more efficiently and effectively. And by the third time I do it, I'm getting bored and I have a process down. And then I'm looking for something else. And if I reflect back on my life and my career, it's been that way. It's been, you know, I've most jobs I've I've been in for three to four or five years, and then I move on to something else. Sometimes within the same organization, um, but I, I I sort of after three years I start getting antsy, and I think it's just this notion of sort of inquisitiveness and wanting to try new things, and I I compare that to other individuals I've met, uh, you know, who, who like the notion of predictability. They very much want predictability. I don't want predictability. Uh, So I think you need to think through the different types of careers and jobs there are and make sure that that sort of maps on to your uh, liking uh, and it works well for you. Uh, And, and, I just think that's one of the core pieces that, at least for me, that's how I think about it. I mean, maybe it's over, overly simplistic, but that's sort of how my brain thinks about it. Um, yeah. What What about you, Mike?
1: Yeah, well, see, you and I are not typical by anybody's stretch of anybody's imagination. But, you know, I do think it's important that people find some comfort level with their career and with who they, they are. And, you know, we put a lot of time, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week um, you know, whatever, 45 to 50 to 52 weeks a year for, uh, some people, you know, 40 years, 50 years. Um, and that's a lot. And I think when you look back, when you're at your stage of your career, when you're retired or you're at my stage and you want to be satisfied with the choices that you made and the trade-offs that you make, cause every career is full of trade-offs. Um, you know, and I think you said it really well. Some people want structure. I think some people have clear goals for their job satisfaction, their personal satisfaction, work-life balance, things like that. Um, and a lot of people want, yeah, a career that reduces their risk, especially if they have kids or older parents they have to take care of or, you know, something's gone wrong wrong in their life and they need, um, you know, their, their financial security is um, at risk. Um, the people, I think, get stress over that. Um, And I totally understand that. Uh, So, you know, to me, what Misha offers is great for those people that it's really great to have somebody to bounce off the ideas of, okay, what path do I want to follow, even if it's not one path for the rest of your life, but what path do I want to follow in the, in the future? Um, And how can I get where I want to be? And I think having somebody to bounce those ideas off of is fantastic um Misha what Misha offers I'm sure is great for people like that and then there's others maybe like you or, or me that maybe want a little more adventure and kind of actually enjoy not having a plan you and I've talked about this before in this podcast that you know you and I wound up in different places at different times than we expected and that we're really okay with that in fact we encourage that so um you know I think um you know it goes back to what Misha said earlier. it's like okay Know, know yourself and, and know that maybe that's what you want. You don't want a, necessarily a career, a clear career path that's unitary and singular. Uh, maybe you want something that's more dynamic and changes over time. And a lot of the young people that I interact with on a daily basis, my my students and former students, you know, they've become digital nomads and they've become really career hoppers in a lot of ways where people our age would say, oh, that's changing a job every year or two is too much. And it, these days, maybe it's not. and It's fine. Or they're working as uh, on, as contractors and consultants. And all this is changing the way we think about careers um, and so I think that people who want a more dynamic concept, I think a person like Misha is also great for to kind of bounce, again bounce the ideas off of, and you know knowing that you're open to a non traditional career that your your life situation will support that. There's nothing wrong with that either. A career for anybody doesn't have to look the way somebody else says it should, right? It's like clothes, right? You don't have to look the same way that everybody else does. You don't have to wear the same jeans or the same style shirt or or whatever. Um, there's enough space to kind of build your own your own way, um, so being open to that dynamism and evaluating the world and the space you want to occupy in that world is a really cool thing. Um, so I like this conversation, Bailey, and I know there's other people like that, that do what Misha does, um, uh, but you know if you're feeling a little lost, it's like it's like going to a therapist or or trying a new hairstylist, right? I think it's great to go talk to somebody like this and see if they can help you find some perspectives on on how you can make your Make your work life better.
0: Yeah, agreed, Mike. You know, I think for me, the big takeaway was, was number one, it's important to take a step back from your daily activities once in a while and just reflect on where you've been, where you, where you want to go, and are you going in that direction? Uh, because quite honestly, we all have a significant amount of control over that. And oftentimes we have more control over over where we end up than we think we do, and and this notion of of sort of you know reflecting on it and making it a conscious decision that you're ending up someplace uh, and you're going in a direction you want to go in, as opposed to what I sometimes characterize as unconscious decisions where you know the world sort of decides for us what path we take. Uh, when when I'm a, a firm believer in And we have a lot of influence and a lot of control, Uh, maybe not absolute control, but a lot of control and influence over where we end up and decisions we make and where we go. And I just think to me, that's the big takeaway of this is, is spend some time thinking about it. Am I in the place I want to be? And if I am, that's wonderful and great. And if I'm not, what steps and actions can I take to migrate closer to where I want
1: to be? I love it. We'll call it the Baylor rule. And that means everybody should once a year minimum have your own personal offsite and strategic planning retreat where you get away, you buy yourself a nice lunch um, and you go spend a day somewhere just thinking about these issues and writing ideas down and doing some mapping and things like that. It's the the Baylor rule. I like it. Your own personal strategic retreat. Very good, Mike. Shall we wrap this one up? What do you think? Love it. Let's do it. Listeners, Thanks for joining us today. We hope you found this episode interesting and thought-provoking. As always, if you have questions about what we've discussed or suggestions for a guest, feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is mike at gmail.com.
0: And if you like the podcast, please hit that follow button on your favorite podcasting application. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon, Mike.
1: Thanks, Bela, from over here in Münster, Germany. Have a great I don't know. Days, weeks. I'll see when you, I see you next, Bela, but hopefully it's soon. But bye.